Ladies and gentlemen, I have a huge announcement for all of you regarding America Fest. So we know America Fest, I've told you about this, it's going to be taking place December 18th to the 21st. Tickets are heating up, they're going fast, tpusa.com. This is going to be the largest conservative event. It's coming up, do not quit on this. Do not sleep on it, get your tickets now, but ready. I told you there were gonna be announcements, this is the huge announcement. All right. This is an exclusive for listeners of Human Events Daily. Go to tpusa.com and use promo code POSO in all caps for ordering and you can get up to 25% off your ticket. That's right. Promo code POSO. P-O-S-O, Papa Oscar Sierra. Oscar for you veterans out there. Make sure it's in all caps, by the way, or else it's not going to work. Folks, we're going to have Tucker. We're going to have myself. We're going to have Charlie. We got Candace. We got Kaylee. And we are going to have A++. And actually, I would even say it's A++ country music stars that are going to be there. The lawyers won't let me tell you. The suits won't let me tell you yet who it is. But I guarantee you it's A++. They said it was just A++. Charlie said it was just, Jack, it's A++. I said, Charlie, no, it's A++. Trust me on this. They need the, seriously, folks, when you see this, you're going to be like, how did Turning Point get these guys? I'm like, I know, right? Go to tpusa.com, America Fest, promo code POSO, P-O-S-O, in all caps. I'll see you there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. First up, breaking news, Anthony Fauci and Beaglegate. Also, Fauci's response to Rand Paul and the gain-of-function situation. We'll break it all down next. Exclusive information that was broken right here, Human Events Daily and Turning Point Live last week on the Alec Baldwin case. Third, Citigroup is becoming the first Wall Street megabank to issue a racial audit. And finally, the New Zealand Prime Minister is admitting that the unvaccinated are the new second class. All this more ahead, Human Events Daily. So Anthony Fauci, of course, under the gun, and deservedly so. Last week, we told you all about his dealings with the Wuhan lab. In fact, we've been talking about that since probably early 2020. The difference is now people are finally listening. More to the fact, he went on one of the Sunday shows this weekend and denied the gain of function. He was basically saying his Weasley, remember, first it was, we didn't fund Wuhan. Then it was, okay, we did fund Wuhan, but we had to fund Wuhan, but we didn't fund gain of function. Now it's, okay, we funded gain of function, but it wasn't gain of function that led to COVID-19, right? This guy's lies are non-stop. But there's actually another angle on Fauci that's getting a ton of attention. Look at this. You've got people from across the political spectrum now talking about Beaglegate. What is Beaglegate? What is that? Why were people talking about this? What's it called? What actually started with a group called White Coat Waste. And White Coat Waste broke this story. It's now breaking out into the mainstream. You've got people across the political spectrum. Like I said, Joe Rogan, Glenn Greenwald talking about this, and even Ted Cruz. Like what could actually get all those guys to agree? Well, we're gonna talk about it. Listen to this clip, and I apologize because this is a very disturbing clip, but of course, this is what's going on, and we're exposing it. That's why we need to talk about it. 
Rita, tell us the latest about this Anthony Fauci and what they were up to all along, this gain of function and all the rest of us. Tell us about it. Well, the NIH, the National Institute of Health, has come out and said, oh, yeah, we kind of did fund that, despite the earlier um, claims that that wasn't happening. And also a new story today, The Hill reports that bipartisan legislators are demanding answers from Fauci on these cruel pu puppy experiments. I mean, this stuff is sick. The, if I can read from this um, piece, it says, our investigators show that Fauci's NIH division shipped part of a $375,000 grant to a lab in Tunisia to drug beagles and lock their heads in mesh cages filled with hungry sand flies so the insects could eat them alive. I mean, this sort of research sounds utterly disgusting and cruel and it would not surprise me if Fauci gets into more strife over this than the appalling conduct with the gain of function um, and the connection with the Wuhan lab. Well, it's utterly repulsive and we apologise to viewers for that, uh, but it's a true story and this guy Fauci has always been Directly from on the, the nose. An article from Zero Hedge. Well, recent attention has been focused on Anthony Fauci's National Institute of Health funding the genetic manipulation of bat viruses in the exact same town as the bat coronavirus pandemic emerged. A bipartisan group of lawmakers has demanded answers over sick experiments on drugged puppies, according to The Hill. Our investigators show that Fauci's NIH shipped part of a $375,800 grant, that's a taxpayer grant, to a lab in Tunisia, North Africa, to drug beagles and lock their heads in mesh cages filled with hungry sand flies so that the insects could eat them alive, writes nonprofit organization White Coast Waste Project. They also locked beagles alone in cages in the desert overnight for nine consecutive nights to use them as bait to attract the infectious sand flies. The Hill continued on this. In, they infected dozens of beagles with disease-causing parasites to test an experimental drug, probably an antiparasitic drug. According to the White Coast Waste Project, the Food and Drug Administration does not require drugs to be tested on dogs. So these groups, so many people are asking, why did you need to do this. Oh, by the way, and just so you know, people will say, well, wait a minute, wouldn't the dogs complain? Wouldn't they be upset even if they were sedated? Obviously, this is a disgusting, horrific practice. 44 of the beagle puppies in Tunisia and some of the other dogs had their vocal cords removed, allegedly, so scientists could work without excessant barking. That's according to the Hill. So they were debarked. Look, I understand that there are some people who think Anthony Fauci is one of the good guys. I also understand there's people that worship Anthony Fauci, like some sort of progressive secular idol. But at the end of the day, this is a guy who has left basic morality a long time ago in search of progress and in search of what he believes is science without any moral underpinning whatsoever. That's what's going on with BeagleGate. It's disgusting. It's what your taxpayer dollars have been going to, thanks to Anthony Fauci, our country's highest paid federal employee. Stay tuned. Come back. So on the Alec Baldwin story, we have massive breaking developments. And I have to apologize. I have to apologize 
to the people of this podcast because we broke the news in hour two of Turning Point Live. Look, it's just the way, you know, these things happen sometimes. We had the show in the can, we had produced it, and then some news broke before we had time to get on air. So what I did is I called up the guys at Turning Point Live. I said, can I go live? Can I go with this? Because we have something that's absolutely breaking news. Nobody has it yet. We've already recorded the podcast for the day, but we wanna go on. So we talked to John. John's like, Jack, come right on. You'll be the first one on. It's me, you, it's Alex Clark, it's Isabel Brown. We have a guest in, whatever. We'll talk, we'll go in live with it. So we did that last week. I wanna play for you a clip of that Turning Point interview from last Friday right now. Jack Posobiec actually has some breaking news that we haven't heard anywhere else. Jack Posobiec, welcome to the show. What's going on? John, how are you doing? How is everybody? Uh, so we just have received information at Human Events Daily from a set member uh, that was actually on set at the Alec Baldwin. Uh, this movie was called Rust out there out just outside of Santa Fe, New Mexico. And they told us that the situation was one where Alec Baldwin was on set, the director of photography, DP, also known as cinematographer. Uh, she was standing in front of him demonstrating a sort of um, hand motion that she wanted him to go for as he drew his gun. He then drew the gun, said, is this what you want? And then fired the weapon. So that was last Friday. Now today, of course, CNN and everybody else are saying, oh, by the way, Alec, Alec Baldwin drew the gun. Yeah, we know because we reported it first on Turning Point USA Live because Human Events Daily gets the stories days, weeks, sometimes months ahead. We were ahead on Wuhan by years. We were ahead of the CCP by decades. And now we're ahead on this. Why? Because we have real sources, we do the work, we contact people. It's as simple as that. We are not regime stenographers like the mainstream media and CNN. We actually do the work ourselves and we present that to you for your approval. And you can listen or not listen as much as you want. You can go to MyPillow.com and use promo code POSO and get up to 66% off, or you can pay full price. It is up to you. The choice is yours. But when it comes down to this situation, Alec Baldwin is in a world of trouble. And I want to go in now and listen to some analysis that was done by Andrew Branca, who is a fantastic, fantastic lawyer when it comes to this. He's also a firearms expert. He does Law of Self-Defense blog. Listen to his legal breakdown of what's going on in this case. So Alec Baldwin was both the actor handling the firearm when it discharged, and an actor might argue that he's kind of at the bottom of the safety responsibility ladder for something like a movie set. But he was also, Alec Baldwin, was also a co-producer for the film, which would arguably place him at the top of the safety responsibility ladder. Now, in theory, an actor at the bottom and the producer at the top might each point their finger at each other when it comes to liability over an event like this. That is, the actor might argue that the producer ought to have had better safety protocols in place. And the producer might argue that the actor had the ultimate responsibility for safe handling of the firearm. In this case, however, Alec Baldwin occupies both seats. So he can point his finger in this manner if he wishes, but ultimately he'll be pointing it at himself. And this implication could well apply not merely in the civil law context within the scope of negligence, but also within the criminal law context, within the scope of recklessness and involuntary manslaughter. So here's the situation, right? He was handed a gun 
And we know now that the person who handed him that gun, or I should say the person who actually prepared that gun, who was the armorer, to what it's called for the set, was a 24-year-old girl by the name of Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who many people are now saying was inexperienced. There's also reports of other gun misfires that had occurred on this set. It looked like they were over budget, stressed out, a lot of pressure. But the issue here is that Alec Baldwin, not only did he break every rule of firearm safety, not checking the gun, you do a brass check, takes two seconds, right? Didn't check that. Had his finger in the trigger, pointed the gun at somebody, all of those things breaking the main rules, Cooper's rules of gun safety. Next, you have to understand the situation that he was also the producer of this. So was it negligent? Was it merely negligent? In which case it's only a civil liability or was it reckless? If it was reckless and you can point to all that, then legally he would have criminal liability for this. That's what Branca explains. It's as simple as this. It is a inherently deadly instrument. And he knew that there were problems going on on set and he picked it up anyway. More information is gonna come out of this. Now, as for the armorer, obviously she is going to be held liable for this, but the mainstream media is going to make her a scapegoat. And I guarantee you, they are all, and you can see them already doing it. They are trying to do everything they can to protect Alec Baldwin because he is one of them. He's a made man. He's part of their protected class. They're gonna scapegoat this girl who should never have been in that position. And she was put there by the producer of the film, Alec Baldwin. Let that sink in, folks. Fantastic news from our corporate overlords. Citibank will now conduct a racial equity audit by Edward Schuyler, Executive Vice President of Citibank. We believe that by advancing our commitments to help close the racial wealth gap in the United States, we can have a meaningful impact on our colleagues, clients, and the communities we serve. Measurement and transparency are important components of the work we are doing to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion, both at our bank and through our contributions to our communities and society more generally. We have shown our commitments to these principles today, and we are calling for a racial equity audit. The focus of the audit is to assess city's efforts to help address the racial wealth gap in the United States through the design and implementation of our Action for Racial Equity Initiative, the ARE initiative, announced by City and the City Foundation in September 2020. It's the $1 billion commitment to help close the racial wealth gap and increase economic mobility in the United States, blah, 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 blah. All right, cut the crap. This is so cringe, it's cringe. Again, twice in two weeks. We know what you're about, Citigroup. We know that you're not some purveyor of equality in the world, all right? We know what you've been up to. Thank, oh, glorious, our glorious big banks are helping us all. This is all going back to what I've been talking about for weeks now. This is the Great Reset. This is part of the ESGs, the Corporate Social Credit Score. They are starting it there and they're going to institute this across the rest of the country. But why also are they doing this? They are doing this to get the left on their side while they push corporate ownership of everything. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Listen to the left just 10 years ago. 
Those protests against Wall Street continue to grow across the country today. Here in New York, thousands of demonstrators descended on the financial district as big labor unions joined in. And many people down there asking the question, what are the people who help create the jobs crisis doing to help the people out of work? ABC's Cecilia Vega spent the day in the middle of the protest. It is a crowd that grows daily in size and diversity. Today, thousands of union workers marched in solidarity and joining a common cause, blaming bank greed for the country's economic woes. This afternoon, thousands marched from Manhattan's Foley Park into the heart of Wall Street. America is fed up with um, just being forced into poverty. Thousands of members from the nation's largest unions joining the cause today, from auto workers to teachers, service workers to actors. It's what the freedom of speech was designed for. Just a few weeks ago, there were only a few dozen people here in this park off of Wall Street, but today there are actually a few thousand. This is a protest that is growing not only here in this park, but online, thanks to social media. Online, a website is getting hundreds of submissions from around the country, people posting their stories of economic loss, claiming to be part of a middle class hurt by the recession. The protests are spreading from cyberspace to streets all around the country. 50 cities now, from Salt Lake City to Topeka to Knoxville. The movement now garnering attention from politicians running for office, like Elizabeth Warren, who's vying for a Democratic Senate nomination in Massachusetts. The people on Wall Street broke this country, and there is still been no basic accountability. Observers of social history say the protesters' growing presence could be a major issue in the coming presidential election year. If you can influence the conversation in the 2012 elections, then, then you've done something pretty amazing. And well, it's not just people who are out of work who came out today. People with jobs left the office to march in the streets, too. So you get it. You see the scam, right? They realized that Occupy Wall Street was actually kind of onto something about the big bank scams in this country, the financialization of everything, the fact that this is crony capitalism, this is not a free market, and you've got a Federal Reserve that's printing money, that's giving loans to their best friends, the Cantillion effect, which is helping them at the cost of everyone who's further away from the money printer. So how do you get them to stop targeting you? You polarize the audience. You polarize the people and you make it all about social justice, racial justice, highly emotionally charged issues that nobody's gonna to wanna to talk about because they're gonna say, hey, I'm just looking out for you. So our latest episode in the Great Reset Chronicles comes to us all the way from the jolly old island of New Zealand and their prime minister, Jacinda Ardern. Listen to what she says about dividing society. They ask her, they say, are you dividing society into two classes? Are you making a class of vaccinated people to be the upper class and then a lower class of unvaccinated people that don't have all the same rights as the upper class? Listen to what Jacinda said. So you basically said, this is gonna be like, well, it's almost like, I, you probably don't see it like this, the two different classes of people. If you're vaccinated or if you're unvaccinated, you have all these rights 
if you are vaccinated. That is what it is. So, yep. Yep. Can you describe us? You were previously hoping not to be able, to, not to have to do that. I guess when we still mm. look like we could maintain elimination across the whole country. I guess that has now changed because I think it was less less because necessarily of the elimination determining that, and more because we, of course, uh, maintained and actually we have managed very high vaccination rates generally without the use of certificates. But actually, what it's become clear to me is that they're not just a tool to drive up vaccines. They're a tool for confidence. People who have been vaccinated will want to know that they're around other vaccinated people. Uh, they want to know that they're in a safe environment. It is a way that we can give confidence to those who are going back into hospitality or events. Uh, and so that is something that I think we should offer to people who have been vaccinated, that confidence that we're doing everything we can to keep them safe and that they can come back out and start enjoying those things safely. She's laughing about it. She thinks it's hilarious. She thinks it's great. No, we don't have a pandemic of the unvaccinated. We've got a program against the unvaccinated. We have the demonization of the unvaccinated. Look, I said this before, I'm not against vaccines. I'm against medical tyranny. And Jacinda is laughing about it. She's laughing in your face. She knows what she's doing. She admits what she's doing, and it's not just her. You've got all sorts of politicians around the world doing this, especially predominantly in the West, by the way, predominantly in the West. But understand, it's not about health anymore. This is about control. This is about compliance. You will comply. You must comply. I talked about Gattaca. When I talked about Gattaca, you've got to go watch this movie. I actually told, I actually said years ago, I saw the movie the first time, um, probably in the early 2000s, and it was out of theaters already, but Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, uh, Jude Law's in it. And you've got to go watch it because it's about a future society. It's a sci-fi movie where the world is split into two classes. One is the Valids, who they've all gone through the eugenics program and they've got the proper good genes, right? And then you also have the invalids. And the invalids are also known as faith-born, right? Or children who are born naturally. And it's about two brothers, uh, one of which who is upper class and valid, one of the other one who's invalid, right? I actually said once that I would never marry someone who didn't understand that movie. And on one of the very first dates I took my wife Tanya on, we went to go see another movie by Ethan Hawke. And Ethan Hawke, who's the main character in Gattaca, was in the audience. And that was all about drone strikes. But understand, the transhumanist agenda is seeking to supplant the natural, spiritual order of the world. Do not comply with them. That's all the time we have today for Human Events Daily. But again, remember folks, go in, download this episode, share it with everybody else, share it with your normie friends. We are right on the cusp of hitting 1 million downloads. And I think that probably by tomorrow we'll actually be there. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. God bless to each and every one of you. But before we go, it's time for today's moment of history. Today is an ominous day in history that will be remembered in infamy. Today, October 25th, 1971, is the day that the United Nations General Assembly voted to kick out Taiwan, the Republic of China, and recognize 
the People's Republic, recognized the CCP as the government of all of China. This was the day that Taiwan was sold out and the CCP was recognized. Remember this. And it happened under Nixon, it happened under Kissinger, and they let it happen. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.